Christian. Christian. Are you in public? Are you busy? Are you terribly busy? Should I call later? No, I'm just sitting here listening to your your podcast with Cat. Sure. Yeah, it's a it's a nickname, but I I couldn't get myself to put her actual name because I just never address her as such. No, no, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I've been listening to your podcast the past like couple days. Believe it or not, I've been taking notes because I find some of the stuff like you guys say like really interesting. And so, Kate was the one that I haven't finished listening to, but、uh, you know, like I only have like. Ten more minutes left on it. Do you want to? You got a voice recorder on that laptop? Um, I believe so. Let me check. You know, if we did it on Zoom, we could record the whole thing on Zoom. Yeah, but the thing about Zoom is I'm not on Zoom. Like I don't do Zoom. You know, it's like the cell phone. I could, but I just won't. I know, I know. It, it's it's not a good excuse, but it's it's most certainly my excuse. Yeah, I know. You have a lot of those. Those are really you. You have a lot of those. Yeah, I'm difficult. No, yeah, that's okay. That's what makes you you. Yeah, no. <laughs> you want me to do the work for you? No, no. Only half the work, and only if you want to. You don't have to. No, that's fine, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me know when you got it activated. All right. Yeah, it's activated. No. Ow. And action. Okay. Uh. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna clap on the on the count of three. You ready? You're gonna clap, right? No, we're both gonna clap. On、uh, you're gonna clap on your end. I'm gonna clap on my end. On the count of three. You ready? One. One, two, three. Did it work? I guess so. Okay. <laughs> okay.、Uh, all right.、Um, well, I guess we're starting. Hello.、Uh, let's uh, preliminaries. Uh, I got a question for you. Actually, I wanted to flip it on you, and I was going to ask you a question. You know. <laughs> What? I, are... I, I think、uh, I think I'm up for it. What, what's your question? What are three of your favorite movies and three of your favorite albums? Holy wow! Okay, wow. That, that's not the question I had. That you would say. Okay, three of my favorite movies and three of my favorite albums. But what 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 was your question that you wanted to ask, or what was well, the look, question you thought I was going to ask? I think the question、uh, you were going to ask me was the same question I was going to ask you, which is、uh, what are two of your favorite albums? <laughs> Of your favorite、uh, movies? Yeah, I know. You, you flipped it on me, and you went with three. Now that's a whoa. Yeah. That, that's a twist I did not expect. It's the subtle kind of twist that I like. Three.、Yeah. That's a challenge. I like. I like music. You see, like that's、uh, why. I, and I like. I didn't like two. I I wish you would ask three. You know, I didn't want to add too much pressure to the question, considering it's really like.、Uh, It has nothing to do with anything that follows necessarily. I just feel like, well, two is like it feels like you heard Sam's、uh, podcast, yeah? I did. 
So he had a hard time picking two. Yeah. I would have a harder time picking two than three. Well, that's funny. I figured if I ever have a recurring guest, which I'm already building a list of, uh, of, of uh, candidates, that they could re- uh, they could reply with two different records than they did the first time. So ultimately it would build up to more than just two. I feel you. See, so I'm engendering a, a sort of like uh, uh, a brainstorm. But I also just want to keep it like light and fresh and easy. So I'll answer your question first and then you'll answer mine. Is that cool? Yeah. But ask me. But I hope you make it three when you ask me. Go and ask it three. I'll, I can make it three. Uh, so I'll do I'll do three and three, and then you do three and three. Deal? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> All right, three of my the, favorite. The, let's do it. The questions, not not sex. No, I I, don't, I think phone sex has always been a challenge for me anyway. Yeah. No, I don't understand it either. I I get it. I just I can't do it. It's like uh, it's like a lot of things. I, I think I get the concept, but the the, uh, the the practice is much different. It's easier done than said, and I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do uh, three of my favorite movies. Uh, okay, well I'll go with uh, the Life Aquatic off the bat. Oh, I'll wow. do uh, the Iron Man and. Uh, Solaris, Andre Tarkovsky's Solaris. Oh wow, man! Talk about like something movies I did not expect. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to, to I, since I since I went uh, outside the country with uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man, I figured I'd go even differenter with the country with the third one. Uh, and then albums, three albums I love. Let's see, three albums I love. Do EPs count? I love a lot of EPs, and I, I sometimes hear them as albums. Would, would EPs count in your uh, question? Sure. All right, so let's go with three EPs. Uh, Surf Nazis Must Die, uh, Anti-Everything. Oh, wow, that's uh, good. Uh, I would never say this out loud, but to you, I'll, I'll be straight up. Uh, AFI, uh, All Hollows EP. I wow, do tend to go back I did to not that. expect that coming from you. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's one I have to admit I do go back to. I don't know if that's out of nostalgia or I just like it, but uh, I do go back to it. And then the third one would be an EP. Uh, let's go with... Um, shit, you know, three is really tricky. I had them in mind and then I lost them. Maybe I'm thinking too hard. Uh, third one... Let's go with Virgin Megahore. It's uh, uh, the doorknob of San Diego in honor of where you're near. I've never heard of that one. That's a good one. You might dig that one. I like, dude, you know what I miss? I miss like when you would introduce me to fucking, to like new bands and like albums. I remember, and then like I would get really into them and you wouldn't want to tell me who it was. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, you know, I didn't do that often. Uh, like you know, withhold the information. But it was it was fun to do with you because I think you maneuvered me in a way where I figured, you know what, I'm gonna make him wait. And then if he asks, like if he if he gets the code right, then he'll access that information. <laughs> like, 
know, playing puzzle games with you, psychological puzzle games with you was always fun, but it was never on purpose. It was always, like, organic. I never intended to withhold information from you. I never I intended just, like, to withhold. <laughs> Damn, yeah. bro. You don't even know how much I miss your fucking silly ass. Uh, well, I think I have some idea. You kind of, like... Uh, in the emails that we've been exchanging before this thing, you kind of established that you miss me, and I, I don't think you say that, those things lightly. No homo. No, well, you know. Just for the audience. That's a shame. All for, right, fine. For, Granted, for, no homo. For the future audience, you know. <laughs> I guess I didn't know people still said that. I thought it. I thought it was a. I thought it was a. One of those passe things. Oh, you know. I got it. No, I don't. But I I'm gotta, learning. Wait, now it's your turn. So give me three of your favorite films. They don't have to be the top or most, but they do have to be three you go back to. And then three of your favorite albums. In this case, it could be EPs as well, if and if you got one. But they don't have to be the top or most favorites, just, uh, uh, you know, three that you do go back to. Three movies, three albums, go. You know, like, I've been thinking a lot about this since I've been listening to your um, podcast. Because Isn't that funny when that happens, when you're like listening to something, you're like, oh, well, how would I answer? Oh, I would answer like, and then it just be, yeah, that's, I, that's funny. That is exciting. Um, so, let's see, three movies. Three movies. I always go with, uh, I always start with um, A Clockwork Orange, because... Stanley Kubrick, Clockwork Orange, alright. Yeah, because that was the first film that I watched when I was younger where I realized that cinema was an art form and you know yeah that's good and when I like watched it I realized like what I wanted to do with my life and that was essentially to make cinema and you know I went to film school and all of that stuff but um life has taken me on on a different direction but that's okay too like i still well go, movies are still a big part of your life is that safe to say that is still safe to say but i mean we'll get into it later in the podcast but um yeah and i got something actually to to add to that considering clockwork orange was one of your first uh one of your first i guess i could say cinema movies uh what's the what's number two number two I would have to say uh, Woody Allen's Manhattan. Aha, uh-huh. interesting. Yeah. All right. Because that, like, a backstory for that? that appeals to my, like, home romantic and yet still perverted side of my being. <laughs> also, it reminds right. me, it reminds me a lot of, like... Perversity or what? Well, it reminds me a lot of, like, um, Vladimir Novikov's Lolita. The book. The book, yeah. I mean, I and I also like the movie by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, it's, it's a, but it's a different case. I, I do like the book a lot. I remember reading the book, and it made a bigger impression than the film. Yeah, definitely. Because you're you're reading the book, and you're you're like you're you're reading the book, and you're in the mind of a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the synopsis. That's for sure the synopsis, which is weird because uh, it's it doesn't lend uh, like it, it's it's more than that, but that's the gist of it for sure. Yeah, 
Because, like, reading it is one thing. You think, oh, being in the head of a pedophile, I don't want to do that. But reading the book, it, it, it's, it's a little more about the human condition than you expect, I think. Did you feel like that? I definitely feel like that. And I think it also has to do with, like, that whole idea of the, the forbidden fruit, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, elaborate on the forbidden fruit there for just a little bit. Like forbidden fruit as in, well, like in reference to the book Lolita and the story. Like this guy, he's a pedophile, but yet you feel his... He actually is like madly, deeply in love with an underage female, you know? and sure. it's And it's something that... You feel you feel for the guy, and you actually start sympathizing with him. Yet you know it's wrong, but he actually is genuinely in love with an underage chick. And that's funny. Yeah, sympathize. I don't know that I would sympathize, but I definitely found myself going, "Oh boy," or like talking this guy, or like things like that, rolling my eyes at the guy. But I have to keep reading to see how it goes next. Yeah. Well, like, and in Woody Allen's Manhattan. Like, the same thing, but, like, with Manhattan, I mean, the, the cinematography is just gorgeous. And, and at the end of the film, I mean, spoil, spoiler alert, the guy, the main character, uh, he, he genuinely loves that underage girl, but he has to make the ultimate sacrifice and let her go. And live her life, you know. And I love how dramatic you make it sound. Considering, like, it's like, it's not. Oh, like, it's a black and white movie. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know. There's a distance, but you, you, you were. It really, uh, it really overtook you, huh? It does. It's beautiful. Like, it's. Um, I mean, there's a whole romantic quality to the entire film that I. What What do you call it? Like that I. But. That I what? That you were swept away by? Yeah. And not just, you know, like, yes, the filmmaking, but also the emotion of it. And I think it's, you know, I think, I mean, Manhattan came out after Annie Hall, which was his, like, breakthrough film. Both of which came out before you were born, is that safe to say? Yeah, very safe to say. <laughs> I'm not that old, motherfucker. You're older than I am. No, but just the idea that, like, mm, you know, when we get into movies, as just as individuals, we start taking into account at some point, when you get, like, really deep, you start taking into account, well, this one came before this one, before, like, the filmography suddenly takes, pre like, you know, a, a, a precedence yeah. somewhat. Like, you know, like, we start, at, like, you know, scholarly looking at movies, Whereas really these movies all could have you could have watched one before another before the other they you know like this, considering this one left such an impression I'm pretty sure you didn't have in my oh what did he do before what did he do after or I I don't know yeah but uh, I imagine how old were you when you when you first saw Manhattan that it made an impact uh probably like I was probably like in my I was probably like let's see I watched Clockwork Orange when I was like thirteen. And then I had a whole new, like, perspective on, like, what movies were. And so I started watching movies from that lens. 
So I had seen Manhattan when I was like probably younger than 13, but I didn't really see it as like cinema, you know, as like cinema as an art form. Um, but then, you know, like rewatching it throughout the years, probably when I, when it made that first huge impact on me was probably like, I had seen it a few more times in my teens, but when I actually like, when it made that impression on me, I had to be in like my early twenties. And I'm, so this is like after high school, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, so wait, we're getting carried away with the preliminaries here. What's the third film you want to choose here? Hmm. Okay. Third film. You know, I want to say that, and I've been thinking a lot about this, because <laughs> I've been like, there's, there's so many, but if I had to choose one... These are films that I can watch over and over again and never get sick of. That's how I'm looking at it. As you must, right. These are favorite films. I think favorite isn't a conscious thing. I think it's a, it's a innate thing. And I would have to say... I would have to say... Fuck, I want to say two are tied for third. But if I had to pick one, it would probably be Gaspar Knows Love. Jesus. All right. Yeah. I haven't seen that one, but tell me about it. Oh, man. It's a beautiful film about the nature of, like, relationships and, like, what we think love is along with our perception of like what we think love is but in totally like different scenarios you know like when we're when you look back on things and also like I mean the story is about a character who who falls in love with a girl in France he's an American living in France to study film and he falls in love with this girl and they decide to have a threesome with another girl and and uh, and like she's also 17 again and like then it becomes like this whole three-way like love cycle and the main character who's named Murphy he ends up kind of I guess not really cheating on the girl he's fallen in love with, but he ends up sleeping uh, with the girl that they have a three-way with without his girlfriend, and she becomes, and then she gets impregnated, and so he has this has this baby with a girl, and he has to like he tells his actual girlfriend and she ends up like leaving him and hating him and you know he's kind of stuck having this baby with a girl that he didn't really love and the whole movie is kind of like about resentment and consequences consequences very right yeah and like also but the whole time when he's with the girl that he actually loves before the three-way 
they're like hopped up on like different drugs and like the whole party scene and and it's all about like perspective and how you look at things and then when you go back and you think about things it's like you realize there are different choices you could have made that with a clear perspective or with some clarity you realize like maybe I shouldn't have done these things and be in the situation that I am in today and no regret another uh, theme of the movie yeah definitely I, I would say or regret you took away from it yeah <laughs> and so uh, well the, okay so we got three movies but I want to mention like about love Gaspar oh, Noe okay. I think he's like an incredible film director working today and his cinematography and his films are just gorgeous they're the fucking cinematography is just beautiful to look at and yeah I think the funny thing uh we can credit Woody Allen with like his cinematography even though he gets someone else shooting his pictures with Gaspar Noe I think he's more tied to how the film's shot than the other two guys. I mean, the other two guys are also meticulously, like, uh, Well, you, you know, look at Stanley Kubrick. You, you, huh? you, you look at Stanley Kubrick, and this guy was a perfectionist. He's yeah. doing, like, 90 takes for one shot. You know what I mean? Like, Right. He's got an image in his head, and he knows what he wants. And Woody Allen is the same. Like, he was like, okay, just keep the shot here. I'm going to have these people all the way over there. And just have them mic'd, and they're gonna walk in a frame. Like a lot of that's like there's recurring themes in these guys' uh, cinematographies. Like you know, Wes Anderson's another guy, but Gaspar Noah is like, yeah, he's uniquely. I mean, Irreversible is the one that comes to my mind. I think that was the first one that left an impression. Me well, too. Like, wow, like not only is the story super intense, the filmmaking of it, yeah. Or the other ones, uh, I haven't seen Climax. What's the other one? Where, uh, Into the Void? Into, or Enter the Void? Enter the Void, yeah. Same. Yeah, another one where the cinematography, I, tie, I, I don't know who he's got for a cinematographer, but I tie it into Gaspar Noah's vision. Yeah, no, definitely. And Irreversible is another one. I think that was the first movie I saw of his that I left a huge impact on me. Because yeah, the movie. Yeah, I, the, the movie I don't is, think I've seen it more than once, but I don't think I have to. Have you? Oh, I've seen it more than once. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I've like tried to show it. Impressive. The acting is incredible, but the story is way too intense for me. And like, and it's brutal. The film is brutal. Like it's violent and fucking crazy. I remember trying to show that to some friends of mine, and they just start looking at me like something is wrong with me. You know, <laughs> because. Yeah, I mean the movie's centered around a fucking rape, you know, and and the the scene yeah. the scene that fucking where this lady is raped in an alley or like in a t whatever like tunnel, the it's like yeah, a, it could be it, anywhere, right? It's a static shot, and it's like it lasts like twelve minutes long, and you're just watching this woman getting brutally fucking raped, but it's yeah, cuts or nothing. It's, but it's still like incredible filmmaking, you know what I mean? And that's where well, I think it, the idea of like separating the and the, uh, and the and the story. I think it's also a revenge movie uh, and or about a relationship, isn't it? Yeah. After now, I think I have to rewatch it just it's because kind of I think like, it's been years. It's kind of like Memento. 
the movie goes backwards. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it plays out backwards, Memento. Yeah. But it's, uh, I think they're probably different themes, and I don't, well, let's get to your favorite records. Okay. Because um, uh, I think we could talk movies forever. Well, movies and music, maybe. We could talk forever. Definitely. Um, but, uh, but we do have to get past the preliminaries in order to just say hello. So give me three of your favorite records. So these, um, I have to choose because the first two, <laughs> I have to choose them because they they made an impression on me where it, when I first heard them, they made me want to learn how to play guitar. And but do you go back to these records too? Yeah, I go back to these records a lot. One of them, okay. my number one favorite that I listen to a lot actually still is, and it's funny because you had two guests on your previous podcast that have mentioned this band. And I was like, oh, oh. wow. <laughs> and so... Yeah, I was surprised too that like, there's already recurring albums, but go ahead. Mine is um, Nirvana. All right. And it's um, the Unplugged album. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of covers there. People were pissed. Yeah. But I, I fucking... I, Nirvana is probably my favorite band, I could I could say. Um, you wanna, if, all right. If it wasn't for Kurt Cobain, I wouldn't have wanted to be... Wanted to learn how to play guitar. And... Um, and not only that, as I grew older, I, I like Nirvana and Kurt Cobain is like the only artist that I think that you can feel, you can feel, you can hear and feel the pain in his music and in his voice, you know, you can, I, I, I can feel his suffering in his music and it's something that I like that I love uh, and I can relate to, you know, in his lyrics, in his songs, and in his voice. And yeah, I like that story about uh, after he did Lead Belly's uh, song at the end of the set there, he went backstage and people were like, go back out there, they still want another song. He's like, nah, I can't top the last one. And he just didn't, because the music was that, like the, mu- the impression it left was that much more important than just playing music live, you know, whereas Dave Grohl might be, oh, I just love to play live, or Paul McCartney might be like, oh, I just love to play music, there's other people that think, you know what, the artistry is uh, a little more important than the, than the art. Yeah. Uh, what's the, uh, okay, what, well, record number two, then. Record number two, I would have to, and again, I would have to, like, refer to this one because I have like again if it wasn't for this band and and the musician again I wouldn't have wanted to learn how to play guitar just like Kurt and um, honestly it might sound a little bit uh, silly but I don't care (laughs) But and you mentioned it in an earlier podcast as well. Was uh, All right. Blink One Eighty Two's live album? The live one. Okay, yeah. another live one. That's pretty good. I like the theme you're running here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that called? Uh, 
the Mark, Tom, and Travis show, the is Mark, it? Yeah, the Mark, Tom, and Travis show. And that was, you know, like, if it wasn't for Tom DeLonge and Kurt Cobain, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to learn how to play guitar. You know? uh, now, he plays the, yeah, he plays the guitar. I used to wonder which one played what, because I never got into the band too much. So I always wondered, oh, well, Mark and Tom are the bass and guitar, but I, I never knew which one was which. Yeah, Mark is the bassist. Uh, and Tom's the one that went on to do the other bands? Yeah, what was it, um, is it Angels? Boxcar Racer was one. Oh yeah, Boxcar Racer. And I think Angels and Airways. Right, right. Is that really a, a, a band centered around uh, aliens in outer space? I know he's a big aliens in outer space believer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I found like, oh, alright, you're gonna go that direction. But uh, but I like the idea that like he's you know, kind of like Muse, where they're like hung up on outer space and like you know the government's a bad thing. Like bands that center around a, a concept is really interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, you got an album number three? Yeah, and this one I'm struggling with. Let's see. <clears throat> oh no, I'm not. And I don't know if this one actually I don't know if this one counts or not because it's a discography. But, um... We're in the preliminaries, and we're 30 minutes in. This is great. This is hilarious. I know. I did not expect this to go <laughs> Well, hey, like man. I hope, I hope you have some time, because I was, like, looking at your earlier podcasts, and they're only, like... The, I think the longest one was, like, an hour and a half, and I was like, shit, there's so much I want to say and talk with Tino yeah, about. So, uh, like, I, I don't have a, a, a rigid... Schedule. Like, I do like to just let it go, but I also don't like to take the guest's time. So, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll cut it off at some point, but this goes as long as it has to, really. Yeah, well, lucky for you, I don't have really much going on until five. So. <laughs> right. All right, okay, well, let's go. Number three. Number three it would have to be Los Crudos Discography. Oh, all right. I, I don't Take know if that... I don't know if that counts. Oh, it does. Yeah, I'll, I'll count compilations, EPs, albums in the same umbrella if you can stand the beginning to the end throughout. You know, like if it leaves an impression, to me that's an album. If it fits on a CD or a record, you know, it's an album. Uh, yeah, it, it counts for in my mind. Anyway, do you have a, a backstory for this one? I mean, I think it's called Discografía too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that it's in Spanish because they are from Chicago. They are. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I just I love I love like hardcore punk, man. Um and I think that they're a really important band in reference to hardcore punk. I mean, there's like how many songs are in that album? Like fucking I know it's under 100 cuz I remember the Charles Bronson discography goes past 100 and by the end of it I was like, "Oh, this is kind of a it, it gotten a little uh, stale, but the Gruelos one goes straight through, and it, it doesn't necessarily get stale. It, it's a lot more interesting to listen to. Yeah. It might be 80-something. Yeah, and when you listen to it, the whole, I mean, there's like a ridiculous number of songs, and it's all like, I think it's like, honestly, I think it's less than an hour long, <laughs> you know? Because their songs yeah, are so yeah. fast, and... Yeah, no, it's ex- it's actually it's sixty six songs, and it's an hour. Oh, wow. It's sixty six songs, and it's an hour and three minutes. Oh, 
you know? And like I did not expect it to be an hour. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like around 40 minutes. Exactly. And there's so much. Like, they have so much to say and yet so quickly to say it in. And all their songs are just so fast. And, like, I just love, I love their fucking the energy that they have behind their music and that's a lot what i think like punk rock is 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 energy you know what i mean sure like some yeah, people it always surprises how like how much variety there can be in uh, in punk in hardcore in, in power violence in grindcore in noise or whatever it is like all these subcultures you think oh you know it's a it's a, it's a cookie cutter operation it can be with the worst bands, but with the better bands, you get you get a weird sort of like sense of like, no, this song's nothing like this other song. Whereas you know the average listener might be like, oh, this is all noise to me. Yeah, no, exactly. And like, I don't know, like when you refer to it like punk rock, when I refer to it as energy, shit, then I can like I'll look back and I'm like, well, fuck. Then you look at James Brown. You know, and that motherfucker, his fucking energy in his music, I would even like go as far to call it punk. You know what I mean? Because that motherfucker, his energy on stage and in his music, that shit's fucking punk, homie. Like shit, that shit's fucking gangsta. I don't know, (laughs) like, and but it's all about energy to me, and I love that. Like I. I'm I'm partial to the energy of that the music brings, and I don't know. It just it's it's an it it like it inspires me, if you will. Yeah, I think I think you're onto something big there with the energy. You're right. Uh, I think uh, I think the best music is uh, is palpable with the energy. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, you got your Nirvana's MTV Unplugged, you got Blink-182's Mark, Tom, and Travis Show, and Crudo's Discografia, you got uh, Gaspar Noah's Love, Woody Allen's Manhattan, and Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. You got my list down, right? I did not write it down, no. But, but, it, but, it, but it's been established. It's been established, yeah. But I also right. want to say, like, shit, there are... There, <laughs> There are a couple movies that I wish I could also throw in there, like like um, Robert Altman's um, the long the long goodbye, or is that what it's called with Elliot Gould? Yeah, of which you got the poster, right? A giant framed poster of it. Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. I fucking love it. Dude. Remember that from your apartment. I think I think that's my favorite movie in which Philip Marlowe, that detective character. And, like, I think Elliot Gould, Elliot Gould's portrayal of that character is, like, my favorite of all the movies. Like, what's his name? Humphrey Bogart played Philip Marlowe, you know, in, in like... Was the, that the multi-stalking or the big sleep? Or both, maybe? The big sleep. The big sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we're getting into the podcast, but, but, but since we got the preliminaries out of the way... I want I, I, I want to have to say hello, Christian. How are you? Hey, Timo. It's good to hear from you, man. Thank you for allowing me to be a guest on your show. Oh no, it's it's a pleasure that you even want to speak to me. Uh, let alone give me your time. No, man. Uh, how have you been? 
Dude, I'm doing great, dude. I'm 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 doing great. Like life is beautiful, you know? I can't I mean I could complain, but that's just like a waste of energy to me today. That you know, that's one of my favorite things to say too. I could complain and I just like to leave the ellipses hanging there. Yeah. Because like I don't know. Instead of like it just takes up too much it takes more energy to like think negatively about things and and feel shitty than to like just enjoy life and be at peace with where I'm at you know what I mean yeah that's an interesting theory yeah yeah I mean it's it's not so much a theory as it is a a perspective on on life today at least for me you know that it takes more energy to be negative it takes more energy to be negative and like feel shitty about how things are than it does to like be think positively about like life and what's going on in it and and feel better you know within myself that's funny because i'm of the opposite mindset i'm thinking it takes more energy and not that it's less worth it if anything it makes it all the more worth it i think it takes more energy out of me to be positive and it does to be negative i think negative comes easy to me yeah, uh, because being positive work, you know. It exactly, and then, no, you're right about that. It's easier, and I, <laughs> I, I gotta admit, like I was listening to your guys's podcast, yours with Sam, you know, and you guys are talking right. about like hater nation and shit, and that's always, <laughs> that's always like, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I found you so funny to begin with, is because you're like so easy, easily able. And ready to just like hate on everything. <laughs> oh, dude, it's palpable. Yeah, <laughs> it's on the, it's like almost on the surface. If I didn't, I swear to God, if I didn't try at all, I'd be like dead by now. I'd be the most. I'd just be like destitute at, at best and dead at worst. You know. Yeah, but or it's also. It. And it's but it's funny. Like it it makes you you. You know what I mean? But I also. Sure. I also like, uh, I don't know, uh, I do agree though that maybe it, I mean, it is easier to hate on things. It's like, but it's also, I've found to be kind of like the lazy way out, you know, at least for me, for for me. Well, yeah, I'm not saying it's empirically like that, but it is, but yeah, like, yeah, from from my end of things, it's easier for me to be angry and and bitter and, and, and negative than it is to be positive and try and give people a chance and all this other other jazz. No, yeah, and I you know like I agree with you because I lived like that for a long time. I did just like really like negative and hating on shit and and it took me a long time to like realize that just like my perspective on the world and my life was kind of um, distorted, if you will. Like, at least, like, again, this is my experience. And, and like, and it just, I came, I've gotten to this place where, where I'm, I'm willing to do the work that it takes to feel good at the end of the night. You know what I mean? To feel good about where I'm at in life, to feel good about myself, and to like, you know, at the end of the night, 
we all have to go to sleep by like with ourselves you know like wherever we go there we are you know wherever i go there i am and it's just it feels better it feels better to do the work to feel positively on things and that's where i'm at in life today you're uh, you're approaching your ideal living i mean i'm working towards it you know i wouldn't say things are ideal yeah. but again no 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 but you're but you're you're uh, but you see it in your in your uh, in you know at the horizon and you're headed for it a lot of people don't know to look for it even an ideal living yeah like i don't think i'm at my ideal living at all but i definitely have always sort of like not always but i have been striving for well i'm gonna head in that direction i don't care what it takes because that's the way i want to go so therefore work to be positive music and movies you know be kind all these things you know yeah and you know um be kind and you know I, I heard in uh, one of your earlier podcasts that you mentioned you said something along the lines of um, that you hate yourself oh yeah yeah I think I still it's, it's a residue from my old life but uh, I do have to still acknowledge it it's like other things too like uh, I'm sure you've heard it in the, in the podcast too but my love of mess you know, or, uh, you know, certain things like this. They, they're just, they're from my old life. They don't necessarily uh, ring loudly in my personhood if you were to meet me nowadays, but they're very much, pal- like, you know, palpable is the word of the day. They're very much uh, still a big part of my life, hating and, and loving meth and all these negative things. Hey, man. You know, as well as, well as the, the positive stuff. Hey man, you're preaching to the choir, bro. <laughs> I love meth. You know what I mean. And if it wasn't yeah. for if it wasn't for meth, I wouldn't have reached this point of my life where I'm, I feel good about myself and I'm I finally started to like love myself. You know. And you reminded me this whole came this whole thing came about because you mentioned being kind to others. And today I've learned well, not today, but in the past like few months since I moved out of LA I've learned not only how to be kind to other people but to first of all be kind to myself you know what I mean and love myself yeah that can be tricky to do I'm, I'm glad that you're there I think uh, as far as I've known you, you you've uh, you've always tried and you've struggled for that aspect of like loving yourself or, or knowing yourself or, or respecting yourself and I think that's a very common thing uh, with people but I think sure. so too yeah and some people are kind of like born I think some people are kind of born with the handbook on how to live life and love themselves and some people like you know I'm speaking for myself some people have no idea <laughs> like if if so if you want to give, I was thinking maybe I'll give some background about like my situation in my life the past like yeah, that, couple that'd years. Be good. Let me go and grab my cigarettes real quick. I love cigarettes, dude. You know, 
know, since I've been out of money, and I'm like literally out of money. Since I've been out of money, I have not been smoking. Uh, I think it's been a couple weeks, and uh, every once in a while, I'll get the mean craving. I'll be watching something, and they're smoking, or, or I'll just have like a look around, I'll see an ashtray, and I'll be like, man, cigarette would be really good. And I'll just like pat my pockets, <laughs> and there's still nothing in there, but I'll pat my pockets as a thing immediately, and I'll be like, oh, right, no money, fuck, well, no cigarettes. But, uh, yeah, I, I love smoking, too. You know, the thing about loving things, too, and I don't know, I forgot what the phrase used to be. It used to be, like, on the tip of my tongue all the time, but I stopped thinking about it. But uh, the things that you love can, in fact, kill you, which is what made me wary of meth, because I know I, I love that stuff, and I, and I always felt maybe a, a, a sort of... Um, you know, be careful with things you love because they they will kill you. They'll they'll you know. I don't know if I see love as a negative thing in that respect or if it's just something else. But oh, no. uh, I've always known marry something that you love. Do you ever feel that? Well, like I like realized that everything that feels so good in life, like fucking meth, cigarettes, fucking sugar. You know, like all of these things that make you feel good in life are bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even family and shit? Uh, well, maybe not. Well, like it depends on the family that you're born into, you know? Oh, that one depends. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But like, like things like all these things that are like make us feel good can be bad for us. You know, like shit sex you know what i mean if you love if you're yes, you know yes, like sure. like well like let's get a little background here i'm gonna go back a little bit right let, let's get back to you for sure like i'm so as you know like uh i struggled with a bad like uh what should we call it um addiction addiction problem right yeah for the longest time it was alcohol and weed then it turned to like cocaine, alcohol, and weed, and then it may, and then where my life really started to go south was methamphetamine, weed, and alcohol, and coke. Well, not so much cocaine when I found the methamphetamine. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just I found it. I had a question about that, but I'll get to that later. Do go on. And so, as you know, like I lost my life in Los Angeles due to choices that I made while I was using methamphetamine quite frequently, you know what I mean? And I lost my apartment, yeah. I lost my apartment, I lost like everything in LA and I had to move back home down here to the Imperial Valley, El Centro, which is right next to the Mexicali border. And, and for like about three, going on three years now, I've been in a 12-step program and finally like when I moved back down to my my hometown I like started taking this 12-step program seriously and my life and my perspective on life has completely changed and I've been sober now for quite a few months and I've been working you this dabbled in the 12 steps here in LA right yeah and I loved it that seed of sobriety and recovery was planted I just couldn't like I didn't apply it to my life and I was still going in and out of the rooms and I was still like getting loaded here and there I would have periods of sobriety and then I would go back out 
But every time I went back out, shit just got worse and worse until like I lost my life in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. LA can swallow you up. You make me think of David Bowie when he came over here and he got swept up in, in, uh, in cocaine and he had to leave the country to Berlin in order to like get his head out of that gutter just because with the right personality, Los Angeles can really fuck you up and swallow you whole. Yeah, man. But it's a fun that, town, that's man. A weird, yeah, it's a weird concept. Would you say that happened to you because of L.A. too? Or was it just you happened to be in L.A. but it could have been anywhere? Um, well, like, I moved to L.A. to go to film school. And and in film school, I did really well. And What I, film school was it? I didn't know that part of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went to... Uh, what uh, Long Beach? I went attended film school in Long Beach. I minored. I I had a. I majored in film and television. Uh, media. So I forgot the exact like title. And I minored in yeah. philosophy. So it's like. Oh, that's a great combination. Yeah, like great, huh? What am I gonna? What kind of future am I gonna fucking? What kind of career am I gonna fuck? Like unless you're like Terrence Malick or some shit. <laughs> No, I meant literally it's a good combination, but I think you're right in terms of a, in terms of the career aspect of things. Exactly. Because, I mean, movies and philosophy are, like, two amazing things. It's like, it's a, as if you had, like, literature and or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things they may not give you money, but they'll give you a whole lot more in terms, if you're open to it, you know? Yeah. And, um... But, and but like, you didn't get much of that? Well, like... You know, after film school, during film school, I started dabbling in cocaine, and and that was fun. I had a good time, and I, I was able to keep my shit together. And then I Is like that where it found you in in, the, in in film school. What cocaine? Yeah, or did you already have a little bit of that world with you? I uh, before? well, like I had a roommate at the time that I moved from San Diego to Los Angeles with, and he kind of got me into cocaine. Well, let's let's be honest. Like, I got myself into cocaine. He just kind of like directed me on where I could get it. You know what I mean? He made it available to me. And um, yeah. Well, you have. I mean, people have a curious nature anyway. But I wonder. You know, I wonder. I was always like attracted to cocaine because of movies. Movies made it look so sexy. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I started smoking because a, a poster I had of Humphrey Bogart in high school. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I think I know something about what you mean. But I started my my uh, my introduction to drugs came in high school. Yeah, me too. Know? Well, like, but back then it was just like alcohol and weed. No, I got into the the the, the harder stuff in high school. Well, but I didn't know what was hard and what was soft. Like even the terms soft drugs and hard drugs, or like uh, what are the hard liquor and soft drinks? Like there's. <laughs> There's a distinction there, but it's it's more an intellectual distinction. It was what my, my approach to it was an emotional, you know, approach. I saw what what it how it made you feel, or I, I felt how it made me feel, and I was like, yes, that's the answer, like, right? Like the interpretation with movies. What do you, do you remember? What movie it was that that you saw cocaine, and you're like, that's what I want. Yeah, you know what it was. <laughs> what was fun? Any given Sunday. Oh, I haven't seen that. That's Oliver Stone, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's funny because it's a scene where all the football players are in some like strip club partying, and one guy like pours some cocaine on a stripper's tits 
on her nipple and starts sniffing it off of her nipple. And I was like, damn, that looks fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking impressionable American kid, huh? Yeah, dude. And so, but I got into cocaine and after film school, I got more heavily involved in cocaine. I started selling cocaine. And then, you know, like, I had met some friends who were also... Yeah, well, uh, for a little bit, yeah. I had some roommates. So it helps with the rent, right? What's that? So it helps with the rent, the, the, the sailing thing, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I was also doing Airbnb, and then I also was selling weed. You know what I mean? I mean not weed, uh, cocaine. Right, right. So I had a pretty, and I had a job, you know what I mean? So my income was, right. was pretty steady. Yeah, to say the least. And, you know, like, it gave me this, like, false sense of purpose and identity that I, you know, like... Did it feel real? A real sense? It felt real, but really, it wasn't. Now that... Okay. Like, today that I'm sober, and I realize, like, all of that, all of that behavior was just based out of fear, you know? Right, but it was an unconscious fear, right? At the time, yes. Yeah, because hindsight is a beautiful thing, but when you're a kid, you fuck hindsight. You just want the now to be even more better than it was the previous now ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um... So you're in, you're in film school and everything's going well and you got cocaine with you. What's next? Film school and then, you know, like, uh... And then I, I had my roommate move out and... And then I had the other roommate move out, so I had to get a smaller place, so I moved to, like, East Hollywood area, and um, and I still was selling cocaine, and I was doing Airbnb, and, and then, like, I had met some friends that, like, when I first moved to um, East Hollywood area, that they lived in the neighborhood, and they were, they were also very much into cinema. And, and making, like, you know, like, they we, like, started a, a small, like, independent production company. And I started, we started making, like, you know, like, little music videos. And and we did a lot of, like, uh, I hate, I hated them, but wedding videos, you know? Do you I, want to divulge the name of your production company? Um... I mean, sure, I guess. It was, uh... No you don't have to, you know, if you think it's gonna, it's gonna be a bit of a burn. No, it's fine. Is uh... I don't think they'll have a problem with it today. Is No Face Films? If there's... I'm sorry, what was it? No Face Films? Oh, okay. I thought you said Milk Face Films. That, that would've been weird. Yeah, no. Um, no. I don't know if, they're, if they have kept the same name, but when I was there, it was... But that. it was a trio of you. It was like a few of us, yeah. And um, and then from there... What did you like about the wedding videos? I just, I always had this like, I always had this feeling like once you get stuck, once you start doing wedding videos, then you, that's what you become known as, you know? It's a rut, you mean? Yeah, like you just get stuck doing wedding videos and I never liked it, so... But, um, 
but now they're doing really well, you know? They're prospering. They're making music videos for, like, way bigger artists and making commercials and doing all kinds of shit. So it kinda, and they're for hire, or do they pick out the artists they work with? They're for hire. Okay, so there's the variety there is, is interesting. Cause they like, get a lot of good business, man. They're doing really well. Yeah, they get challenged with the work, I presume, too. Yeah, dude, and, and it's they do really well, actually. So, That's fantastic. But, like, um, you know, I got involved in a couple relationships that were toxic, and... And and they led me further into the drug world, and um, uh. and it just kind of it kind of snowballed into me developing a meth habit, and and then like you know like like I mentioned, there's a whole side of me that's you know pretty perverted, <laughs> and right that yeah, and that that got you know further enlarged by this whole thing by the meth yeah definitely and and so i stopped working with the production company and i started doing like sex work as far as like on the production side of things you know and not just wedding videos but you moved past the wedding videos into like home movies home movies and like porno right (laughs) you know right I would work, I worked for and with like, um, like sex workers and, you know, like I met a lot of like sex girls and like other companies and, you know, like we just, you know, it was like a party life. I'll be honest. It was a party life. I got paid to like, to make fuck films. You know what I mean? shoot edit shit like we did a lot of cam work and like all all kinds of shit man and and that just further amplified my my meth my meth habit and shit you're a locomotive going even faster now is it correct shit meth brought me down i always say like cocaine and weed are my drugs of choice but what brought me to my knees was methamphetamine. And yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, like, that shit took me down in a year's time, bro. Like, it took me down quick. I lost yeah. my I lost my apartment. I got evicted. Like, I was almost homeless. I ended up in jail, like, a handful of times. I ended up in the hospital a handful of times. Like, almost dying. Like all kinds well, I of shit. I should mention here, uh, the, uh, as I've known you, this is all of this lifetime too is all like mm, also affected by your health issues in terms of you used to get seizures, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a lep- epileptic, and so epileptic, right. Yeah, so like methamphetamine and epilepsy compounded it. Well, like methamphetamine and epilepsy, let's just say they don't go well together. <laughs> right. I'm like, like, yeah, unless you're trying to have a fit. Yeah, like, as an epileptic, you have to do things like take your meds. You got to get sleep. Sleep is very important. You got to eat well, you know. And on meth, shit, I would stay up three, four days at a time. And that shit would always leave me busted out in a major seizure. And 
you know, like there was. And always being like what? At least once, twice a month, or more than that. At least like once a month. Right. Yeah, yeah, and like the last time that I that I used, I I remember coming to. I'm on my bedroom floor, and there's vomit all over me, all over my floor. I don't remember like I don't even remember using. I don't remember two the like two days prior to to coming to on my bedroom floor. The next thing I remember, I wake up in the hospital and my kidneys are failing. Like they're working at ten percent, and they almost hey, had a. Wait, you're you're feeling it before you know it. How does that feel to have your kidneys failing? Is it just a bunch of doctors and beeping, or what, what's going on? Well, I didn't feel it, dude. Like I just I I came to, and they told me. That my kidneys are failing. And, oh, I see. And I was just like out of it completely. And that they almost had to put me on dialysis. What? Remind me what dialysis is? Well, like your kidneys filter out like all the toxins in your body. And, and yeah. so when your kidneys fail, you have to be put on dialysis. And that does all of the, what your kidneys do for you. It does the filtering of the blood or uh, more yeah, than that? Of the blood, yeah. And and you have to like stay on it, you know, like or else you die. And And that's a lifetime thing. Yeah, if yeah. You get to that. And so like I came wow. I came to in the hospital and that's what I came to to and it scared the fuck out of me. Like I almost died, you know? And that was the moment you realized <clears throat> things had to Dude, that was the moment. That was that moment of clarity that we alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity. And what's I had a moment. It seems to me like this is a, this can be a recurring thing with people where like they'll be like, "Now I have to change," and then they don't. Had you ever reached a moment before where you're like, "No, nope, things are going to be different," and then they didn't change? Yeah, many times, dude. I was relapsed. So this wasn't your first moment of clarity, or was this like a different moment of clarity than those other ones? This one was way different. I have had those moments of clarity where I came, like, one time, I think the first time I had that moment of clarity, I had, again, I had had two major seizures. I come to, and I'm, like, I'm I'm looking around, and there's, like, two of my, two of my friends, females, who are sex workers, and we had been up, like, three days just like partying, shooting, like shooting um, content and just like using. And and I, I come to out of these seizures and there's paramedics all around me. And like there's these two girls and there were also heroin addicts. And I'm looking around and I'm just like, what is going on? Like I need to like something, something's got to give. You know what I mean? And... And that was the moment I decided, you know what, I have a problem. And I basically held my own intervention. I called my parents. This was in L.A. I called my parents. I tell them I need, we need to meet. And we meet in, like the next day or two days later in San Diego at my aunt's house. And I tell them like, I need help. I need to, you know, I need to go into rehab. And, you know, like a, a friend of mine gets me into rehab in Hollywood, like West Hollywood and I'm in rehab for a month. I stay sober for like six months. And then uh, I have 
you know, like I go back out and it's, it's because I, I was, I wasn't working a program. I wasn't working a 12 step program to my fullest potential, you know, like to the best of my ability. And, and then I, I mean, I guess also, I'm sure you didn't know that you had uh, to go about things a little more methodically. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Ignorance often plays a part in, in people's downfalls because they just don't know there's a better way or a different way to go about it. They just think, oh, you know what, I have to do this alone and that's that. Or like, oh, I only have this one person. As opposed to like, you know, if we forget there's support groups or we forget there's like more than just one person you can approach or more one or more pr- approaches to a thing. Definitely. No, you're completely right, man. And, um, and, and this was all before you hit the, the hospital? And this was before, like, this was, like, a year before that, yeah. Okay, and, so, all right. And so, and, you know, like, I wasn't taking it seriously, as seriously as I could. And before you know it, like, a year later, I'm, you know, I've been, I've been thrown in jail a handful of times again. I lose my apartment. I go into the hospital a few more times. And then I lose my apartment, and I have to come back home. And then I go back out one more time, and that's when my kidneys fail. And I come to in the hospital, and I realize, well, it, it wasn't more... It's one thing to know something intellectually, and it's another thing to feel it within you, you know? And I think I know what you mean, yeah. Like, I knew that I had... Like, it's all the, like, all the stuff that I learned in school, as far as, like, philosophy... You know, I was always looking for the truth, capital T. And I learned all this stuff. I read all these books. And I knew this stuff intellectually, you know. But I didn't ever feel it in my life. I never felt it working within me. And so this last time I went out, I come to in the hospital and I felt it. I actually felt it. I felt that, okay, you know what? I'm still alive. I have something looking out for me. Like, I, I felt the presence of my higher power. You know? There was two things I felt. Number one was that I have a higher power. I have some type of higher power out there, and it's looking out for me. And, all it, and then number two was all it wants me to do is to give back. All it wants me to do is to help others. And ever since that, I've, my purpose in life has completely shifted. Everything that I thought was who I was and what I was completely vanished. And now I just take my program and I put that number one. That's like the number one thing in my life. And now I have a, a real sense of purpose in the world and in my life. Like today, I'm, I'm sober and all I, all I have to do is stay sober another day and help another person. Another, if, it, if it's another alcoholic, then great, all the better. But I don't have to just help alcoholics. I can help anybody. You know, like I can help my parents, I can help, you know, the person, the homeless person down the street, 
whatever it is. And that... But your goal is at least one person a day. That's a big, uh, that's a big goal, I have to say. It doesn't even have to be a person a day. It can be, you know, like, I started my own meetings, and, like, people show up to these meetings. We do it on Zoom right now because of COVID. And, but I started this meetings, these meetings before um, COVID hit, and that's giving this back. Is the, uh, the youth uh, program you got going? Yeah. Or like, is this a different one? No, it's the youth program. I think program. you told me about something that you got going called Young and Thirsty, which doesn't imply anything that we were just talking about. Uh, if anything, it, it sounds like one of the movies you might have shot when, when you were uh, back in your darker days. Right, right. But I mean, it's a play on like young and thirsty you know like i mean i'm not we're not i'm not allowed to like discuss the name of the 12-step program i'm in but let's just say that it that it has to do with 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 um with liquid we'll say that yeah that, that, that's the presumption i i, I was gonna make yeah. young and thirsty in, in, in the context of getting better has to be in terms of like you know you're probably in high school or lower well, not even so. Like, we don't discriminate on age, honestly. It's for anyone, but no. we no, like anybody can attend. And there's like, okay. I we have older people attend all the time. You know, there's we have a guy that's like in his seventies, and he comes into our meetings, and it's it's Is it great. Because he's young at heart. Exactly. We we take it more as like a young at heart thing. It's all about how young you feel, and what's it called? Um... But we, we named it Young and Thirsty because in the in my hometown there's not a lot of like a lot of like support groups or if any at all that are aimed at youth, you know? People right. younger people. And so me and my girlfriend, we decided to start this this meeting that is like aimed for like younger people in recovery. And <clears throat> But not only just, right? But not just, yeah, exactly. Anybody can attend. Anybody can attend. And so when COVID hit, I decided to move everything onto Zoom. And we've had people from all over the country show up. People from Nebraska, from Oregon, Los Angeles, like all over the place. And it's been a beautiful thing, you know. And that's me being of service to other people. And... And, you know, like, it helps me a lot today. It helps me feel good about myself when I go to sleep at night. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's not like you're left uh, to wonder along where your place is in the world. Instead, you're, you're kept busy, which is something I think is, like, adults, we, we don't, we don't, we have to figure, a lot of us seem to have to figure it out on our own that to keep busy doesn't necessarily mean to have a job and to you know, to do this one thing, it's it's to to remain preoccupied, even with your own interests, maybe even especially with your own interests. But to like keep preoccupied is, is a very beautiful thing. Uh, I kind of started it with this with this uh, podcast thing we're doing here. Um, but movies and music has always been uh, on my mind, and so I always think, well, I'll, I'll preoccupy myself with that. And ever since then, I, I've I've been busy, you know, since I left college, since I really dropped out. But um, but it's not something that I would have figured out had my circumstances not aligned. But a lot of people our age have still have that aimlessness that, that we've sort of, like, grown accustomed to in high school, maybe. 
and I've just never figured we're capable of escaping. Yeah, no, and that's where growing up comes into play. You know what I mean? The whole concept yeah. of quote unquote growing up. And today, yeah, like. It's a, it's a weird thing to address, but growing up, yeah. Today, like, I have a purpose in life, and that's to give back. Now, let me get this straight, though. Like, let me get this, like, clarified. That's not my only purpose in life. You know what I mean? But that's definitely right. number. That's. Amongst the other uh, things. Yeah. Amongst the other things. Well, I'm still figuring that out as I go along. Like, I have a degree in in film and philosophy, but now now going... That's great. Now that I'm learning about who Christian really is, I've decided I think I might want to go back to school and get a certificate, like, in drug and alcohol counseling. And that's... Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's something that I can do to, like build a career on but also continue okay. also continue to give back you know to the world um yeah but i also i also i'm still very much interested in film and photography and my 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 dad <clears throat> he knows a lot of people in this it's a small town i live in and so in 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 a small town it's all about who you know you know what i mean and he knows a lot of yeah. people who work for the newspaper and shit like that. So I'm working on getting a job for the newspaper and doing some photography for them in our local newspaper. So, you know, like whatever I need to do, like my higher power will guide me and that's all I can ask for today. Uh, you've mentioned in your emails before we got to this point that, uh, You've been reading a lot, and you're writing a lot. Yeah. What are you reading nowadays, you think? I've been reading a lot. Like, I've been reading, like, a lot of Alan Watts. Um, Oh, Alan Watts. That came up the other other day. That did come up, yeah. What of his works? I've read, um, what are they called? I recommend. I really like, I have the whole stack right here, actually. I read... Go down the list. The Spirit of Zen is excellent. Um, what is Tao is also excellent. The book on the oh, it's a T A O. T A O, yeah. Yeah. Um, the um his most famous book I think, which is also really good, is the book on the taboo against knowing who you are. Um, that's all I and the way of Zen. And now I'm actually reading some fiction. Uh, called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, An Inquiry into Values by Robert M. Persing. And I just all... I know, this is a, a biker or is it a mechanic? For <laughs> both, I could say. Is it what? Is it is this from the perspective of a biker or, or, or a bike mechanic or both? It's more of the perspective of um, a man like... He's he's with his son and they're traveling the country on a motorcycle and he's he's going into his story and he takes great pride in him just very he he brings this zen like approach to doing maintenance on his motorcycle and it's all about like 
to speak of about Zen and the way the life of Zen is to lose the idea of it completely. You have to live the way of the Zen. And and that's something that's hard to kind of like to kind of not only grasp but explain. Um, yeah, it's like it's the more it's done than said. Well, not easier said than done. Um, yeah, no. Well, uh, the thing is, like, yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, like trying to to grab water. When you try and grab water, it just slips through your fingers, right? And when you try and like explain what zen is you lose the whole thing of it already zen is a way of life it's it's taking it's being at peace with what you're doing in your life you know whatever that whatever it may be it could be doing the dishes it, it's genuine it's actually like it's just trying to be in the moment every day you know living to the best of your ability in every day and, and it's safe to say it's ingratiating yourself in your environment, isn't it? In your environment and in where you are in life, period. In whatever it is that you're doing, you know? <clears throat> like... Uh, have you approached the subject of cones? K-O-A-N-S? Yes, I have, actually. <laughs> Do you know what the sound of a, of a one-hand clapping is? <laughs> Dude, that's funny that you say that because Alan Watts meant, um, refers to that whole idea or that that concept. He says the exact same thing. Mm. Actually, I read it in one of his books, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> that's not the same thing. Yeah. Hey, you know, like I was, I was taking a lot of notes on your, uh, on some of your earlier podcasts, and I wanted to bring some stuff up. You know, it's great because like we're still amidst my earlier podcasts. I don't think we've hit the double digits yet, so you're actually of the early episodes. Yeah, yeah. So like, what what notes have you took? So my first note is Timo in being a hater. <laughs> Well, it's just, I have like a, it's just a note, like, of like, (laughs) topics to, to broach. To remind you, right? Oh, that's right. Timo is a hater. Timo is a hater. hater. Yeah. But it always made me laugh, like, because as much as, (laughs) as much as you frustrate me sometimes, I also loved it because it, it made you, you, and I don't know, you mentioned something in a podcast about like, how you, the word friend is different for you or something oh it's a struggle it's a struggle yeah but i i consider you a really dear and close friend you know i remember a time in that i was struggling in la and in this moment i hold like very dear to my heart i was struggling and you meant you said something like i had a girlfriend at the time and you said something to me like you know like be with your girlfriend, you know? She really loves you. And I've I've held that that little piece of 
advice advice yeah very close to my heart i still think about it a lot you know because in retrospect she did love me she still does love me although we're not together anymore i love that girl too and and she loved me despite like my struggles and despite like all my shadiness at the time because i was still using and you said you like noticed it you saw that she did care so much about me and that really touched my heart man and i think about that a lot like there are little things within you that i i've noticed that are like were very moving to me and i'm like incredibly grateful that i do have you as a friend you know what i mean and actually this might be a good time to segue into something that i've been needing to do which is pretty funny because i didn't expect to be on your podcast but now is the perfect time to do it because i feel like what a great episode would this be <laughs> of gringo nation Uh-oh. yeah no so i mentioned i'm working steps and i'm in a 12 step program so i'm on i'm on a i'm on step 9 which is we made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when a do oh, no. <laughs> except when a do so would injure them or others and believe <laughs> step 8 is we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all so now I'm on Wait, you... All right, no, I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. Go ahead. So on my step 8 list of people that I owe amends to you are on that list, my friend. You are on that list. So this is me right now on the air offering you my amends and saying and taking responsibility for how much of a pendejo I used to be and how like shittily I used to like talk to you and treat you. You know what I mean? I know I was a big pain. I, I, I have some idea of what you mean, but I wonder, I wonder how you think you mean. How did I make it on that list? I wonder. I well, mean, you don't have to answer that, but I do wonder. There's a lot of times where I would call into work or I would call you to see if you could cover for me or, like, all this shit. And then there was times where I would make fun of you and, like, just treat you like... I felt like I treated you like shit or something. Oh, I think I felt it, too. <laughs> yeah, like, I felt like I thought you were, like... I, I like, treated you less than or some bullshit. <laughs> and, or some yeah and i and this is me taking responsibility for that person who i used to be and saying i'm sorry for those times and those moments in my in my time getting loaded you know what i mean because that was that's not how i genuinely feel you know what i mean i i love you as a person you know what i mean you're a good friend of mine and i can see back on those times and be like man i was an asshole So this is me saying I apologizing and trying to make amends to you and also letting you know if there's anything that I can do to show my amends or if you ever need a friend to talk to or whatever it is, I'm happy to do that as part of my amends to you, my friend. All right, I'll keep that in mind. I, I don't know if I'm not part of the program, so I don't know if I have to accept your apology. You don't. You don't. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to accept it. I always sensed sort of like a lot of this negative shit from you, but I always also sensed a glimmer of of goodness in you, which always brought me back to giving you a chance. I think in the other part, I think the last one, I addressed the 
issue of like, well, yeah, you, I, treat others the way you want to be treated. If I could give, if someone could give me a chance, I would love to just like have it. Like if I wanted another a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, you're pushing it, all that, like that concept. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so that idea, you know, with you rings true. Yeah. Um, in that you've, it's been worthwhile keeping you at the very least on my periphery because... Oh, geez, thanks. You know, I always said, like, yeah, you, you weren't being a jerk to be a jerk. You were being a jerk, but but there's a part of you that could use uh, an, an ear or, 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 I don't know, a je ne sais quoi. And I always felt like I'm the guy to be that je ne sais quoi just because uh, circumstances dictated my place in your life. And so... I, I'm, I'll, I'll play along, you know, all this, all this uh, phenomena of being alive is, uh, I don't have spirituality and I, and I don't have uh, faith necessarily, but I, I do have a sense of faith in other people's faith. It's kind of like the idea of love. I could spot love in other people, but I can't spot myself uh, loving. So I'll just act and then let other people figure that shit out. I have a feeling that when I said that line about uh, your girlfriend and she loved you, that I sensed it more than I could ever feel myself sensing love, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how well this, this, how clear this is, but I think it ties into the idea that, like, I don't believe in God myself, in a, in a, in a higher power necessarily, but I have a lot of faith in my mom's love, like, uh, of faith. So, like, if she prays, I sense it's going to work. Because uh, it just, I don't know where that idea comes from, but I sense I can't pray because my heart's not in it. But if I ask her to pray for an X thing, it'll work better or it'll work at all. You know, I don't know how true that is or not, but superstition is a beautiful thing that way. It's a mystery. And well, I, there, I, I want to say, though, there is, a, there is a difference between superstition and faith. I think they go hand in hand to a degree, but but elaborate on that. What do you mean? Well, super superstition implies like shit. S- baseball is full of superstition. You know what I mean? Did you say baseball? Baseball, yeah. Oh, baseball. Oh, uh, okay. Go, go, I, I think I know what you mean, but elaborate on that still. Well, like in baseball, there's a lot of superstitions. You know, like. A lot of people have different, like, little superstitions about, like, whether they're, how their teams are, if, if they don't get their full little routine out of the way of whatever it is they have to do for their team to win, be it, like, whatever, some, some silly little thing. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta tap your foot twice and rub your fingers before you exactly. swing the bat. Or exactly. like little things like that. Exactly. Don't use the same ball, blah, 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 because the, exactly. the thing is... Exactly. Yeah. And that's superstition. Whereas faith is trusting in something that you can't see, but that you feel is there. You know? Yeah, you see, that ties in to superstition. You don't see that? Uh, I think they're two completely different things. They can be, but I think I think faith is an extension of people's uh, need for superstition, or maybe just people's inherent having of superstition. I think humans, uh, as far as civilization goes, has always had at least a degree of superstition in it, 
uh, be it like, you know, in the stock market or be it in your home life or, uh, or a higher power, you know, all these things, because they tie into the mystery and the, the, the aspect of things that science can't explain, you know, or that science often tries to explain, you know, yeah. why does this thing, well, let's test this theory and this theory, oh, this is why, because this theory works, see, look, you threw the experiment, oh, you're right, this thing works. Well, philosophy as well. And and this ties into the philosophy thing, too. I always heard philosophy is an extension of science because it's the the questions without the answers. And science is the questions with the answers intact. You know, and so they they go hand in hand in that they're all tied to questions we have. Right. Uh, And so philosophy's got the questions that are debatable with the answers. But science is, you know, ideally, empirically true. You know, nowadays in the in the in the age of flat earthing again, you know, and all this other stuff. But well, also, knows, science but science is also very constricted because it it has answers, but yet it the answers lead to more questions, just like philosophy. Right. Well, the questions that follow from there is where philosophy comes in. You know, like what happened before the Big Bang. You know, yeah. things like that. But what Zed and those like spiritual uh, concepts go beyond that and say everything is connected. And that's actually, you know, like, and I've, I've learned that to be true. Like, Alan Watts talks a lot about like reality as being an illusion. And, yeah. and it's true. Like, the you, you and me are illusions, you know? There, there really is no you and me. Those are man-made constructs. We are the same. Things are like, I am, we are the universe experiencing itself, if you will. Like the ego that separates you and me is a man-made construct. That and it and it and it's very um, it's very constricting, and it's to see how reality actually is. Because remember, we are still animals. You know, we just know that we are animals. We know because we know we're gonna die one day. You know, and so the Alan Watts idea. is it at odds with the notion that I think, therefore I am? Well, or is it of, or, or are they uh, of each other? Well, this goes back to I heard you guys mention this in um, with Katia or whatever. Katze. Katze, yeah, like, and she brings up, she brings up that the fact that the the longer she lives, the more she realizes that she knows nothing. And yeah, that and that's, that's that is and that you know like the fact that she came up with that on her own is marvelous because that goes back to Socrates. That's a famous quote from Socrates. I, which is, I know nothing. I really know nothing, because the longer you live, the more you learn. And I couldn't. I didn't. I you know when I was getting loaded, I never. I never realized that because I wasn't growing. 
you know, as a, a human being, as an individual, as myself. Like, I was too wrapped up. To further that, I think drugs not only, you know, not only are you not growing, but you're stunting your growth. Is that safe to say? Very much so. Very yeah. much so. And yeah. and now, like, getting sober, it's like I can look back. Getting sober and working the steps, I look back and I can see, like, where all of my misery and all of my suffering was all due to my own choices. My own choices that I made where I could have done something differently if I had if I had been sober I would have learned from past mistakes not to do the same thing over and over and over again you know and by working the steps and staying sober I realized these things and that's where growth comes in you know yeah and and I'm able it to seems like and I'm able to like progress in life now and you know it's just it's seriously it's one day at a time and I know that sounds like cliche but it's simple it's so simple and I think the greatest lessons are often cliches uh the I uh you know I'm having trouble with the notion that like I'm maybe what it is is that what I want to say next, I mean, maybe what this is is that I think one has to be unafraid to make mistakes, well, uh, yeah. which is how I think, uh, I think I learn best anyway. Like, I have to all be of able us. to all of us do, man. give myself the uh, opportunity to say the wrong thing in order to, in order to figure out the right thing. And well, that's presuming there's even a wrong and right. That's maybe another argument for another day, but... But at least in terms of what I want for myself and how I want to see the world, uh, it's got to be inclusive to other people, but it also has to be sort of discriminating uh, for uh, for my own, you know, grasping's sake. But yeah, I think that's very, that's very, that's a very good lesson to learn that, you know, that we know nothing. And it's beautiful that you can tie it together with the, with something as is established, you know, that Socrates. Yeah, uh, it is. And, it, and you know, like, as an alcoholic and addict, like, we learn when we've had enough, you know? I had to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had to go through so much pain and so much misery and so much suffering to, I got to this point, we call it rock bottom, and everybody's rock bottom is different, to realize, like, that I don't want to suffer anymore. I don't. And What's that, that line out of the movie Network? You have messed with the primal forces. <laughs> no, the other one. Uh, uh, I'm mad as hell and I ain't going to take it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And the beautiful thing is, when you get to that point, that's when you get to that point of of um, surrender, Yeah. that's where things start to change. Because you realize that there's a way out of it. And once you start working towards that way out of it, 
things start to change. And it has to do with like self-will and putting my, like Christian's will, Christian's will wants to fucking kill myself, you know, whether it be with drugs or women or alcohol or stupid shit. Like every time I take my self-will back, horrible shit happens. Horrible shit, you know, like every time I take my will back, I end up in some type of crisis, you know. And that's where faith comes in, because today I don't have to live primarily off of self-will. Today, I have faith in a higher power. And all I have to do is do my higher power self-will, or I have to just do the will of my higher power. And that's one thing that I love about the 12-step program I'm in, is that a higher power in the second step you get to make your higher power anything you want it to be. Anything you, that you want. As long as it's not yourself. See, like, I used to consider myself a spiritual person, but I had no sense of what spirituality meant. Because I, like, I had this, like, resentment against religion, organized religion. And Well, you have preconceived notions, right? Yeah. And, and, it, yeah. and it took me away from whatever my my conception of god is or higher power was and when i came into the rooms of of the program that i'm in i realized like holy shit i can make it whatever the hell i want it to be and everybody in this fellowship has their own higher power and you can make it whatever you want to be we have a saying in in our program shit that you can make your higher power a fucking doorknob i had a sponsor one time his higher power was santa claus you know <laughs> like like as long as it's not yourself and and today i have a higher power that includes like the whole of the whole idea of like humanity and the good that is humanity people wanting to help each other another aspect of my higher power is creativity and 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 just all the arts you know because they come from somewhere and i don't know where that is but it comes from something and and it's a beautiful thing you know to want to share your art whatever your art form if you're an artist you know if you want to make it come out in music or in writing or in you know whatever the hell it is uh, another aspect of my higher power is the idea of anarchism because I consider myself an anarchist and not like in the whole like the whole uh, what do you call it the whole aspect of like I feel like, like anar I feel like anarchy has a negative connotation in today's world because of what the punk scene brought into it you know what I mean the whole idea yeah. of like no oh, actually I, I embrace anarchy in the crass sense of uh, there is no authority but yourself yeah but it's also like Noam Chomsky considers himself an anarchist but it's because of the same reasons that I'm talking about about the good of humanity you know and if people no, if you elaborate on that what's Noam Chomsky well before we get to Noam Chomsky I want to establish it'd be nice to uh I love the concept of a room full of higher powers. Like if someone passed around a hat and you wrote down, like, you know, anonymously, 
you know, what your higher power is, and they collected them all and spread them all on a desk, and then they had, like, a doorknob and a Santa Claus hanging out in the same room, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that idea to me is just, because, I mean, they're, they're all validating, so they're all basically equals, you know? Yeah. But they're all different in their, in their like, personalities, because it <laughs> depends on who conjure them up. But that's a, that's a whole fantastical thing. Uh, but this I, also I ties into my... The place we... This also ties into the reason why I love the 12 step program so much because it within it we have a fellowship and we all have one thing in common and we're all doing it together. You know what I mean? And and it and it, I really embraced that because I realized I'm not alone. Wherever I'm right, at, you're in a community. I'm in a community and then yeah. yes, if and I in a very real sense, not like in a like a oh your community begins and ends with your city or oh no it's the people it's like no this is this is the community and I could I could tell you who's in it and who belongs and yeah it's a beautiful thing when you're when you feel like you're part of the community yeah it is and it's and it's um you know like it's very empowering because today I know I can't do this shit alone nor do I want to do it alone anymore but the thing is like if I'm like having a craving or something you know what I mean and I reach out to somebody in my program, a lot of times people aren't going to answer. People have lives. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so this is where the aspect of a higher power comes in because I know I'm not alone anymore. Something is out there watching over me and is on my side. And so, I, you know, like prayer and meditation have become a huge part of my daily life because I have a connection with my higher power today and it's and it's a beautiful thing you know i can turn to something and <clears throat> and whatever happens in my life i know i'm gonna be okay you know i know i'm gonna be okay and because i have something watching over me and whatever happens happens for a reason and you, you mentioned uh, your will Christian's will wants to wants to die and all this other stuff. Christian's will think, wants to kill me, you know? Right, and then the, the thing that, that prevents that is the faith that comes in. And I think that's where you and I split ways in terms of uh, what we think. I, I think the reason I don't need faith, I figure, at least in this, in, this, uh, in this scenario here, is because I have the belief that there's combating wills. Every, I have a part of me that wants to die and kill myself still from the before time. But I also have the part of me that wants to live, and that's the deciding, that's the one that takes precedence over the other one. But it doesn't discount the other one, you know? So I have a very clear sense of, well, I have three or eight different things that I want to do at once. And this moment here is defined by whichever will is taking precedence. And sometimes it's the one, like, that I like better, but sometimes it's the one that's maybe more important, I feel. Like, it's all numerous wills, whereas you have the one will and then the faith to undercut that if the will is bad. You know what I mean? If the will is corrupted. You, you, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And Yeah, that, I, I think I just wanted to, uh, to establish there that we're the same but different in the, in the faith-will uh, argument. Well, what, that's I, I'm curious, so what's this Noam Chomsky's idea of anarchy? Well... This goes back to like Alan Watts and the whole idea that we we see ourselves as separate, but really we're the same. I am you, Timo. 
Timo, you are me. We're all just energy. Everything is energy in the in the universe. We just think of ourselves as separate because we have an ego. And egos get in the way of like progressing humanity, you know? Cuz now you have like countries and and you have like you have leaders of this country, you have presidents, you have you know what I mean? You and and these things are like what separates us from being human and helping each other. Whereas Noam Chomsky believes in anarchism, whereas if we didn't have to see things as separate, we could live in this type of utopia where they don't there wouldn't have to be laws and and nations and you know what I mean? We could all just be a a a, a people a planet of human beings and realize instead of fighting each other we could help each other you know and and it would make life so much less complicated than it has to be and that's where Noam Chomsky comes and his like his that's like the true um, definition of anarchism you know it's not like it's not what punk took it to be and like just like oh anarchy well, no laws all, let's go like all together, right? yeah like let's go raid the fucking liquor stores and just blah you know what i mean that's not really what it is it's the idea of like having to live life together in union with each other and there's more like peace than anarchy which is why i've i've, I've always preferred like when i learned about it anyway i preferred the craft notion of anarchy coupled with the peace you know exactly because anarchy alone is just a rejection of authority and if everyone is their own authority oftentimes you're gonna have conflict but, but uh, that conflict that like that comes along with ego which is again your ego is not your amigo you know the ego i wonder man i think i think an ego is is an uh, intractable part of, of human nature, but that's that's my thinking. I, is it can I mean, there be? It's, well, it's, what was an ideal example of an egoless uh, human? The Buddha. I mean, you know, like people. Well, would, how about a living? How about a living one? Um, I don't know. I think Buddha's hit mythical status. Yeah, that's true. But like, you know, there are people in this world who, who. You can't name one example, can you? I mean, it's hard, but I know that people strive for that, you know? Right. Yeah, oh, I've heard of the striving for it, but the example is the one I, is the guy I'd like to see. Maybe it's also too much. Like, it, it, it might undercut your point, having an example, because that would mean that uh, we ourselves are incapable of, of reaching that, that even that, that notion. But that's another you know, thing. In this case, I, I'm incapable of reaching that. Any utopia just seems like a fantasy, and the dystopia seems to be the reality. But that's but the that's thing is, like, that's the thing, again, one aspect of the 12-step program I'm in is it doesn't matter if you never reach that point, because when you do right. reach that point, you die, you know? Your egos die, and that's when you die. So the point of, <clears throat> the point of life isn't to be perfect. As long as you, it's, it's not, it's, it's a, it's, um, what do we call it? It's, um, 
it's progress, not perfection. Because we're human beings. We're human beings and we're always going to be drawn back into human drama. You know, nobody is perfect. We are not saints. Do you know what I mean? Right. Nobody is a saint. But, a saint. And but it's coming full circle now. It's having that that ideal living in your horizon and 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 walking towards it, or at least at the very least, crawling at it. Yeah, at the very least. Yeah. And as long as you like strive for it, then that's the most you can ask for yourself. Like today, I. I all I try and do is be a better person today than I was yesterday, you know, and that's all I can ask for myself of myself is just to be a better person today than I was yesterday. And when I do that, I feel good about myself and I'm able to sleep with myself, go to bed with myself at the end of the night, feeling good about myself and learning to love myself. You know what I mean? Like. I don't like today. I have no problem with my girlfriend going through my phone. You know, I have nothing to hide today. I have, (laughs) you know, in the past, I was always petrified of somebody going through my phone, let alone my girlfriend. You know, like, holy shit, I had so much to hide. But now, yeah, I had a bigger sense of privacy. Yeah, and I don't need that today because we're only as sick as our secrets. And today, I have a whole fellowship that I can divulge all of my <laughs> all of my sick secrets to and be accepted for who I am. You know what I mean? And because these people we all get it. We are the same. And you know, we're human beings. We're never going to be perfect, but today I have a program that shows me how to live life sober at the very least. Cuz without this Without this, my program, I don't know how the fuck I would be fucking doing this shit. Really. It's the hardest thing I've ever but done in my life. You wouldn't be doing this shit. You'd be doing some other shit. But yeah. I'm glad that you're doing this shit. Uh, listen, Christian, I know you want to speak for about eight hours, but, but we've, been, we've been at it for some time. I think we can end it here, and I'd love to have you back as a guest uh, sometime soon. Yeah, I wanted to talk about one more thing. Uh-oh. This is your final thought? Ah, damn. There's so many things that I know, are... I know. No, oh, dude, I'm telling you, there's too much. There's, there's a never-ending amount of things to talk about. At least I established that in the email. It's dude, just, there's so I, much I have, like, today. so many notes. I, ne- I didn't even get to, like, the real first note that I took on your previous podcast that I wanted to refer to. The only thought, the only note I referred to was Timo in being a hater. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing. But the next, Uh, the next thing was. Let's uh, let's, let's let me grant you a one final thought, and then we'll end it there. Ah, damn it! Now I gotta make it good. Just take a deep breath, close your book, and look at look look into the darkness, and then uh, open your eyes and let it out. Take a deep breath through your nose, out the mouth, uh, and then shoot. Um, I'm just, you know, like, I'm really grateful today to have been able to be a part of this project that you're in, you know, like, that you're 
enduring upon, you know? Because I, like I said, I consider you a very close friend of mine. And, and now in today, today in the life that I live today, I take, I take great, great pleasure in the simple things of life, you know? The simple things of life like making coffee in the morning and going outside to meditate and, you know, like engaging with my fellow friends, my family, giving back as much as I can. And like in this podcast, the past like hour and 50 minutes we've been talking like has been something very special to me. And, and it's, I'm just really grateful that I got to be a part of it today, dude. And I'm like grateful that you would even consider talking to me and putting me on your podcast. That's something that, um, like I said, I I live in the moment today. If I if I think too much about the future, that gives me anxiety. If I if I dwell in the past, that makes me depressed. So you can be stressed with the idea that you'll be back on the show. You'll have you'll have more chance to let out more of those notes. <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> but also remember to. Tomorrow is a mystery. Yesterday is history. All we have is today. Man, the next minute is a mystery to me. Uh, look, sure. Joe Rogan would, would say uh, he could not stand your ums and likes. Because you, you do say like a lot. And I only at the very end of this podcast realized that you do that. Because I, I forgot what it was like to talk to you. And half of your, <laughs> half of your statements, and I'm sure half of mine are unlikes and you know what I mean. And I like that you know what I mean, but the unlikes get in the way of a, of a lot of a, well, Joe Rogan, let's say. So, uh, I feel like that's that also a very much like uh, Southern California thing. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Well, there's other, I think other <clears throat> country. I was watching this drummer talk about stuff the other day on his YouTubes, and uh, he, he speaks the same way. I think it's the universe. Maybe it's an American thing, but I think it's a, it's more universal than we know. And uh, that that habit of saying unlike to kill time before our next thought. But uh, I did want to just establish that I was thinking it of, of Joe Rogan just now. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but never change, man, or change all you want. But you, you're doing all right, Christian. I'll talk to you soon. And uh, thanks for ha- thanks for uh, handing me your time. Oh man, thank you for allowing me to to be a part of it bro it's good to it's it's been good talking to you bro i miss you a lot uh you don't have to hang up uh i do i do want to establish the the the, you know you you gotta send me back that that that, you you got a copy of this right yeah yeah i got a copy (laughs) it's it's still recording right now should we end the recording yeah this is gonna be in the fade out okay